Welcome to Real Dog Talk with Perfectly Imperfect Pups. Real dogs, real people with real talk. Uh, And today we're going to be brought to you by Peak City Vet because we are talking to the owner and I guess like the head vet, Dr. Cindy Johnson. Hey, Cindy, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Uh, And today I'm drinking wine because it's the evening and I had an Italian dinner and wine just goes with Italian dinner. So I'm just continuing the trend. So um, we are talking about the doggy flu, but um, first let's chat just a little bit about your business and you. Um, so okay. I have known Dr. Cindy for a long time now, um, yes. and she is the only one that will actually see Zeke because, well, when we take him to the vet, he's an absolute <laughs> mess. Um, uh, and we he- love Zeke, though. <laughs> I don't know. Does your staff really love Zeke, though? You know, it's they, they, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different type of love. But yes, yes we do love Zeke. <laughs> yeah, it's a different kind of love. I like that. Um, so, um, tell me a little bit about your practice, where it's located, kind of what you guys do. Yeah. So, um, I am located in Apex, and uh, we opened up in September of. 2018. So we have been open a little over five years um, and um, start off with just me, but now I have a part-time vet um, who has been amazing and an awesome staff. And we, um, we just, you know, we do small dogs and, you know, small animals, dogs and cats. Um, I actually do chiropractic work as well. And um, we, we work with a lot of rescues like, like you guys, like Pips. And um, we've just, we have a huge heart for rescues. Um, love b- being able to give back to the community that way. So that's a big part of what we are. Cause our, our, our big motto is care, compassion, and community. Cause we really want to get the best, most compassionate care um, to all of our patients and clients. And um, at the same time, giving back to the community. Which is so important. I don't think that a lot of people understand that some vets don't work with rescues. And right. so I think that it's important to, to people to understand that there is a difference. And, and, you know, no shade to the people in the vets that don't work with rescue, but it's just, it's nice to know that some, certain vets understand that the rescues are helping our community and therefore, you know, we'll want to exactly. work with them. Exactly. So I think it's, you know, super important. And I, you know, your staff is amazing. Um, And the compassion thing, you know, I mean, I've been there, unfortunately, in many ways, um, including, you know, saying goodbye to um, loved personal pets and loved foster pets. And your staff has always been great about that. So Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we just love you. So <clears throat> so today we're chatting about, because it's kind of big right now, lots going on. It's been big for a little while now, is right. um, the doggy influenza, the doggy flu. Um, and right. it seems to be an, at least prevalent in the North Carolina area. And from my understanding, it's kind of across, um, you know, many areas. So right. we just kind of wanted to chat a little bit about it. Um, first of all, is the doggy flu like our flu is it the same type of thing is it the same type of virus it is it is the same type of virus so um it's the the main i mean and it's just like the flu and people there's different strains of the flu the main one that we see it's called h3n8 and h3n2 so that is what our the vaccine the doggy flu vaccine is made from those two components and i would say really most of the cases are are from from those variants um just like in the people, you can have mutation in the flu. So, you know, are there could there be other ones that have kind of 
that are causing the flu. Yeah, but those are really the two main ones that we are seeing. Okay. Um, with the doggy flu. And what um what are the symptoms looking like for the doggy flu? Well, the symptoms uh, a lot of respiratory stuff. So you know you have your thick nasal discharge. You can have a fever, and, and with dogs, fever anything over one hundred four is really what. We look for dogs have a higher temperature than humans, right? So, like the normal ones, 101 to 103. Um, so once we hit the 104 and, and higher, we get concerned. Uh, lethargic, eye discharge, um, obviously coughing, right? Um, reduced appetite, you know, the a lot of the really upper respiratory type signs. And it, I do notice that, um, it's hard, like from the outside looking in, not the difference between the flu and like, um, uh, the the bordetella, um, right. you know, cough. that's the word yeah. that I'm looking for. Thing too much wine before podcast, and I, I lose my words. <laughs> um, kennel cough. So, is there? I know that there is testing for it, but like when you're looking at a dog, is there like distinct distinct um, you know differences between the two? Uh, no, I mean not really. I mean, okay. whenever we have coughing dogs come in, I mean a lot of times I'm telling my clients that you know it, you know we are concerned with the flu. We, you know, and when we kind of tell our clients, we think this is kennel cough. I mean, kennel cough can really look like, it's really kind of like the common cold. There's right. so many different viruses, so many different bacteria that can cause it. Um, so, you know, a lot of clients get confused. They're like, well, they got vaccinated with the kennel cough vaccine. I was like, well, it's true. But that really only covers, you know, one, sometimes two different bacteria that um, can cause a kennel cough. So if we're, if we're concerned of the flu, I mean, there's definitely lots of different testing we could do. Um you know, ideally, there's there's something called serologic testing, which is when you're taking the blood um, and looking at the serum, you know, but this can be a little bit more time consuming because you really have to take the first sample when they first show their signs. And then the second sample is like two to three weeks later, which by, by that point, they should be over really the respiratory sign. Right. So the big test we do is, is called PCR testing, where we're taking like a nasal swab a swab from like their conjunctive, which is like got right in the middle of their, the inside of their eye and then from the pharynx, like the back of the throat. Um, and then we're sending that off. And usually, you know, once a lot, ideally, you know, if they, we take that test when they're showing within four days, showing clinical signs. Um, and I would say most of the time that test comes back within a couple of days or, you know, to let us know like what, you know, what we're dealing with. Cause with that PCR is testing flu, um, you know, Bordetella, lots of other types of respiratory um, bacteria and viruses that could be causing it. So, um, so that's really the test we end up going for. Um, and it still gives us good results. So with the PCR test, you can kind of tell whether or not that's the flu or yeah. what it is. And then is there, a, is, is there a difference in treatments for each of what you find out on the PCR test? Uh, yeah, a, a lot of it is kind of similar treatment. It's really treating with antibiotics. And there's a couple that as veterinarians we use, you know, that are kind of like our main two main main ones we use when we go fight against these respiratory. So it, it all is pretty similar. Um, you know, I would say sometimes we have to use an antibiotic like that's not the norm for us if, it, if we're not getting any results from a right. read. But you know, a lot of them. I mean, there there are definitely certain antibiotics that we use differently compared to like a Bordetella, you know, versus a flu. Um, but, you know, the, a lot of them can overlap and, and kind of be able to treat. So why things. is it that it's so bad? It seems to be 
way worse this year. And is it mm-hmm. local to North Carolina or is that something that vets all over the U.S. are seeing? I really think vets all over the U.S. are seeing. Um, you know, I have several colleagues in different states and and, we're, and a lot of them are, are seeing the flu as well, too. Um, you know, one thing I was that, you know, as I, as I was like reading some of these articles and just kind of um, kind of looking at what other um, veterinary schools were doing with their research is, you know, one thing that really kind of came up was that um, since since we have been since a lot of this flu has come up post pandemic. And a lot of it is because, um, which I thought this was very interesting, and it makes sense, uh, though these dogs, a lot of people, we all know everyone, a lot of people got dogs during the pandemic. Well, these dogs, you know, and everybody had to stay home with these dogs. And, you know, so these, they were not exposed to a lot of things. So they weren't building any immunity uh, against some of these. interesting theory. Yeah. So, um, so that was, that's been really one of the main theories that I've been reading about that, you know, now that their, their immune systems just haven't really been built up as strong as it were if they were a dog pre-pandemic. Um, and so that's why they, a lot of, we're seeing an uptick in a lot of respiratory stuff, not just flu, but a lot of respiratory stuff because, yeah. you know, the you dogs go to doggy daycare, boarding or at dog parks, or just honestly, even, you know, being exposed to any dogs, um, they, their, their immune system is just not as, as tough as it would have been pre-pandemic. And um, how is it spread? Let's talk about that since we're talking about doggy daycares and doggy yeah. parks and stuff like that. How is it spread from one dog to another? It's all through respiratory, respiratory. so droplets, aerosols. Um, so it can be through like direct contact, um, coughing and barking, sneezing, um, contaminated bowls, leashes. So, um, I mean, it can last on surfaces for 48 hours and on clothing for 24 hours and, and, and even on our hands for 12 hours. So even if like we've been around another dog and yeah. we come back to our dogs, I mean, we can carry it in. Um, so it's really, you know, so it's really kind of aerosol, um, just like, like, just like people with colds, um, you know, kind of getting it through the coughing and, and contact that way. And that's scary. I know for like us who bring in rescues because mm-hmm. they can be exposed to it and not show symptoms right away. Right. Sometimes, um, you know, it can take, um, I mean, they say that it can take up to five days sometimes to see some of these signs. So, um, so, you know, they get exposed to it and, and you don't know they're sick. Uh, until like they start showing signs like, you know, four or five days later. Right. And I know for me, like for a little while, there is like running rampant in the shelters and Mm -hmm. all of that. So like when I would come home um, from the shelter, I would go straight into the bathroom and take off all my clothes that I had worn to the shelter and wash up really well because I didn't want to bring it into my house because like you said, it can travel on clothes or your hands or any of that. Right, exactly. Um, and so is there a vaccine for it? And is the vaccine actually an effective? Because I know for like yeah. kennel cough, I don't always vaccinate my personal dogs for it because I feel like right. there's so many different strains of it. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, I've heard some people say, you know, it's still good because it hits a lot of the strains. How are what's going on with the flu vaccine? So the flu is, you know, it's like the two strains I talked about before, the H, the H3N8 and the H3N2. That's a, we, um, we, it's called bivalent vaccine. So it has those two strains in it. And really it's the, it is protecting against mo- the, the biggest strains of flu that we are seeing. Um, like I said, just like in people, the flu can mutate. So could there, 
you know, could they still technically get the flu? They could, but really, I mean, the main ones that these dogs are breaking out with is those two, um, those two um, strains. And so I, I do believe it is, it is protective. Um, I mean, obviously no vaccines ever a hundred percent, but you know, it is something that we tell clients that, you know, Hey, if your dog's going to be exposed to, lots of other dogs, whether it's doggy daycare or importing or dog parks or, you know, things like that, then we are really kind of pushing them to get that. Right. um, And making sure that they're protected. And I know for a little while it was hard to find the flu vaccine. Is it still hard to find? And what was going on with that? Um, the, actually it's been, we've been able to get it a lot easier now. Okay. So, um, so it, it did go on back order for, for a while. And I, you know, I think that, I think it was just the fact that there's so many outbreaks and so many, so many respiratory things coming up yeah. that everyone was wanting to protect their dog. So and the, the companies just couldn't keep up with, with what the need was for all the clinics. And so, um, you know, unfortunately we do see that a lot whenever we have like, these respiratory outbreaks, we tend to, you know, that that's one of the vaccines that tends to, um, yeah, go on back order a lot. Um, but fortunately it's been able to come back on and, and we've been able to get it pretty, pretty easily lately. Oh, good. And if your dog does get it, it it's a longer quarantine for that one, isn't it? Or is it the normal yeah. 14 days? I mean, I usually say three to four weeks, okay. um, just because, um, I mean, they, one, they can show signs up to like three weeks. Um, but, you know, we, you know, it, it, it's the three to four weeks period seems, seems to be really uh, what we're all suggesting that we keep these guys quarantined so that they're not um, being able to, you know, expose other dogs to, to the flu. Yeah. And I know that we've gotten a couple of dogs from various places and they've come down with the respiratory stuff and they turned right. positive for the flu. And that's mm-hmm. we've been doing a 21 day quarantine on that. Yeah. Which is hard in rescue. (laughs) It is. I can imagine how hard it is. Um, And I know that for me, and I know it's probably, maybe it is science-based. I don't know. For me, like we've been exposed a couple times in my household and I have, you know, um, you know, seniors in my house and um, immune compromised dogs. And so, you know, it gets a little scary in my house. So whenever we have any type of exposure, I tend mm-hmm. to give my dogs um, a slate, you know, they're still their normal diet, but I add in there like blueberries and yogurt and bananas and a lot of things with antioxidants and anything to boost their immunity so that if they were exposed to it, their immune system can fight it off a little bit more. Um, and that something that I'll do for like two or three weeks after exposure. And I, I don't know if it's, ha- I mean, I think it's helped because this last exposure, we didn't get, none of my dogs got sick. Now the, the exposure before that, you remember that I was in and out of the yeah. emergency room with two of my dogs. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of them being a senior, which was just super scary. So like, is that, is that something that you think that does help or is that just something that makes us feel better? <laughs> Uh, I mean, nutrition, I think nutrition is, is a great base to everything. I mean, I think nutrition kind of is the core to a lot of health issues. So it's one of those things. I don't think it's, I don't think it's hurting. There's no studies behind it saying, yeah, do this and, and the, the antioxidants because, you know, you know, how much are, 
how much antioxidants should they be getting? You know, that's, right. that's a good question. So um, I think it's more, uh, I mean, I think really the biggest prevention is really just is, is de- decontamination and really just making sure, you know, we're cleaning everything. We are, you know, when we're you know, taking, you know, when you come home, like changing your clothes really quickly, you know, those, those type things, I think is probably the best way to prevent it. Um, but I don't think it's going to hurt to, I mean, I'm sure your dogs probably enjoy. Oh my gosh. They loved it. So, I mean, if it's making them happy, then it's making us happy. So except for the few dogs that would literally pick the blueberries out of their food and drop it on the ground. (laughs) Um, but then the other dogs were like, Oh great. We get extra blueberries. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I felt better doing it. I felt like I was at least taking something, you know, helping yeah. a little bit, but, um, yeah. and you say, you know, cleaning, decam- uh, you know, decam- um, you know, cleaning it all yeah. really well and all of that right. stuff. So mm-hmm. when you say that, is there, um, I know for like Lysol, for instance, that clean that I know that does, it says right on the bottle, it, you know, it takes care of the flu. Is that something that will take care of the doggy flu as well? Or yeah. is there yeah. something yeah. else we should be I mean, using? They- no, I think Lysol and bleach, I think those, you know, Clorox, I think those are good. I mean, really any of the, the basic um, household cleaners should all kill the flu. So okay. um, so I think you, you're safe using any of those products. Yep. And then hand washing so that yes. anything that you exactly. grab on your hands. Exactly. Um, and I know that for us, like in the rescue, we, you know, for a little while there, when we were at events, we were saying absolutely no dog nose to nose contact. Like if another right. person came up with their personal yeah. dogs that we would ask them to keep a space between their personal mm-hmm. dogs. Is there like a good rule of thumb on that? Like I know we were just saying like no nose to nose contact, but I know like if a dog sneezed, like is there science to say how far that that could be spread from one dog to another? Uh, I mean, they, they, I mean, it can travel up to 20 feet. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, so that's where, you know, really keeping dogs separate. That's why, you know, we talk about the quarantine, um, for, you know, cause we, we want more than 20 feet between these dogs. So it can actually travel up to 20 feet. So that's where, you know, just because you're five, yeah. six feet away doesn't mean that that's, your dog's not necessarily going to get it. Um, so that's to be overcautious, I would do 20 feet. Yeah. I know we for a while with the well we still do we we don't put down shared um water bowls anymore. Yeah, perfect. Because we just I mean granted, you know, we just don't know other people's dogs walking up like we get a lot of dogs from the shelter and we do a small quarantine period but that you know, it's still they could break with anything at any point. Mhm. So we exactly. don't do sh- shared water bowls at, anymore at the event. Um, anything else that you can think of that, you know, we should do for our dogs to help like prevent it or, um, you know, anything that we should do around our houses to help with that? Uh, no, I mean, I really, I think really the biggest thing is, is just the, is the hygiene. I mean, really disinfecting and then just, you know, making sure that your dogs are just up to date on all the yeah it's for, you know when your dog's going to doggy daycare and, and boarding of making sure they have the flu vaccine and the bordetella vaccine so that they are being protected against anything that's possibly as much as we can protect them against respiratory stuff um and then um you know just um you know if you think your dog has been exposed or the minute your dog starts showing any sort of respiratory signs like contact your vet and let them know because it's, it's you know it's definitely 
a lot easier to, to start treating it early on versus waiting because a lot of these guys, I mean, a lot they, I mean, I think the percentage was like, you know, like maybe 10% get pneumonia from it, but that's, you know, those are the ones like we're waiting too long to get into the vet. So if you can get in sooner rather than later, um, that's always uh, the best case too. But I think really just, and honestly, I would, if you're, if they don't need to go to doggy daycare or don't need to go to the dog park or, or places like that, like I would, I would avoid it, especially when we're having some of these outbreaks. I mean, there's definitely lots of different ways to exercise your dogs. Um, and, you know, if you can find different outlets for them and they don't necessarily have to go to doggy daycare, then I, you know, I would avoid it during these, these times when we're seeing a lot of, of flu cases. Um, but if not, then really just getting the vaccines and making sure they're staying really well protected that way. And if they do get exposed, quarantining mm-hmm. them, even if they're not showing signs, they right. should be quarantined exactly. for a certain period of time just to make sure that they don't come down with signs because are they they can expose before they start showing signs correct exactly yeah Yeah. so um i mean i think you know i guess i mean i would probably keep them separated for like at least a week away from other dogs just you know to um i think they were saying like it it could take two to four days before they start showing signs so um so i usually would say if you think they've been exposed and like i would just probably keep them you know, on a doggy daycare or wherever just right. around from the dogs for like at least, you know, you know, at least, you know, four to five days, I would say at a minimum. Okay. And then, so do, do we think that as the, the spring and the summer comes that it will decline the amount of, of cases we're seeing, or is this something that's just going to keep going for a little while? Um, you know, that's, that's definitely a tough question. To I know ask. it's like, um, you do know, you get your crystal ball out, Dr. Cindy. I know. I wish I, I mean, I, <laughs> I wish I could you know, do that for everything. Um, but it, it, you know, it's, you know, I don't feel like we see things like, I don't, at least I don't, at least from my experience, I'm not feeling I'm seeing any trends of it being just in the winter time or just in the spring. It's just, you know, we, we've gotten these, some of these outbreaks just kind of randomly. So yeah. um, I think a lot of it is just, you know, kind of paying attention to, you know, what, what's going on with the flu and, and, and even having conversations with like, with the kennels and, and, you know, talking to them if they've had, you know, if they've seen a lot of cases and had a lot of their dogs um, coming, breaking out with anything at the, at their facilities and just making sure we're just, you know, staying on top of any trends and, and just keeping our dogs right. protected we can. Well, because I think people have to remember too, is that the shelter, a lot of times they're strays, um, mm-hmm. owner surrenders. So that means if they got sick, you know, before coming in or before, or as they left, they're, they're spreading that virus around. So what we're seeing a trend in the shelter, we can probably guess that that trend is going to be outside the shelter as well, as far as the, exactly. the sicknesses and stuff. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish it was kind of like the people flu where it goes away in the spring and the summer, because that would be more yeah. fabulous. But... Exactly. I know that would be great. I wish, I wish we could say that too. It's always hard in rescue when we hear any type of viruses. Of course, we hate it in general, but like when we hear it, we're like, oh gosh, we have to watch out like extra special careful when we're taking dogs from any place really, because even owner surrenders can bring it with right. them if they had been exposed beforehand. So it's yeah. awfully frustrating. And then, you know, some of my fosters are afraid to take them because they don't want to get their dogs exposed. But that's why we always check our dogs, um, our fosters, you know, um, previous or uh, current dogs medical to make sure that they're up to date on vaccines for their health as well as the new right. foster's health, because we want to keep their dogs safe as well. Exactly. 
Yeah. So keeping them up to date on vaccines um, and that kind of stuff, I think is, you know, super important. Yes, I agree. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I think this is good information. And I think a lot of people, um, oh, I have one more question. It's a question that yeah. I get asked a lot. And I say, yeah. I don't, I, I answer it like I know what I'm talking about. Can <laughs> um, the dog give people flu? I had that question so many yeah. times during this I big get that outbreak. All the time too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as of now, there there is no studies showing that they can become infected with the flu and even vice versa. I get that question all the time too. Whenever dogs come down with respiratory stuff, like, well, I just, you know, I had a cold. Did they get it from me? And, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's no studies out there, at least at this point, um, that it can affect your, the, the owners as well. So, See, then I was right. Cause that's what I was saying. Yeah. Exactly. I don't need a medical license. I can practice. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting about this. It's super important. It's, you know, so many people are talking about it and dealing with it and all of that. And, you know, it's, it's scary. And so I think, you know, educating people on what they can do to help and what they need to watch out for is super helpful. So I really appreciate you coming on with me today. No, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming on this journey with us. And we'll, we'll talk to you later.